horror guys and gals and welcome back to the we love horror podcast the podcast where we talk about everything and anything horror i am michael and today i'm joined by a very very special guest the talented dave mccray how are you dave i'm doing very well thank you very much thanks um, for having me on of course uh i'm excited that you wanted to come on because uh when i reached out to you i wasn't sure um because you've you've gotten quite big on youtube and other in other horror fields and stuff like that so i was like i don't even know if he's gonna read my message or even want to come on to a small little podcast like mine so it means a lot that you're here i'm very very excited um i've been a fan of yours for over a decade now over a week (laughs) (laughs) yeah just a couple of days a couple of days yeah no uh but seriously though I'm, i'm very very excited uh so thank you for coming on how long did you say a decade yeah i've been i've been watching your videos since you started actually wow yeah that's a long time yeah <laughs> that's crazy that's before i was doing what i'm doing now like in terms of the channel now that's i wasn't yeah. even really doing anything back then <laughs> yeah which is which is so crazy to 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 look back at those videos and be like yeah i watched those when he first put those out because i uh was i think i was still in high school when you started wow. uh, your YouTube channel, I think I was like a junior or a senior in high school and I was still learning like the ins and outs of film and stuff. And uh, Halloween is obviously like my favorite film of all time. My favorite horror film of all time. Same so here. I used to, you know, I mean, I still do, but I think I found your videos by like searching up like Halloween fan films that people had made. Mm-hmm. And I found yours and they're just, yeah, they're just incredible to me. So well, they're a little dated now, but <laughs> hey, I think I think for the time, I think what you did, because uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like at the time it, it was just you and you would set the camera up and kind of, uh, you know, do all the different shots and edit it and all that stuff. Yeah, it was. I was one of the. I can't say that I was the first, but I I think it's safe to say. I feel confident in saying that I was definitely one of the first to post, quote unquote. Halloween fan films. Not that I was the first ever to do a Halloween fan film, right. but uh, certainly to take advantage of YouTube in that regard. I mean, there were people that were doing Halloween fan films back in the 90s shooting on high eight, you know what I mean? But there yeah. was no platform to post it anywhere, right? Exactly. So, but around 2008, 2009, um, I had joined the Michael Myers.net community and the mask making and sharing and all that kind of stuff. And and when I got my first, you know, kind of like really authentic Michael Myers mask, uh, I decided to dress up in the jumpsuit and the mask and walk around my home, shooting me in atmospheric lighting and things like that. Now, again, I can't say that I was the very first to do that, but I'm, I think I was one of the first to do it for sure. And, uh, and these little shorts that I would do and just shoot on a camcorder with available lighting and and uh, but sometimes I would try to kind of like you know add some some atmosphere to it and you know low-key lighting and some light and shadow and stuff and I and there was no story to it at least at first I was just walking around my place (laughs) walking around I'm sure my neighbors thought it was great I was just walking around my place and outside and and uh it was a lot of fun but yeah that that goes back to um yeah I'm gonna say 2009 maybe somewhere around there 10 that's a long time ago so crazy like feels like a lifetime ago but um I'm like it's kind of surreal for me to be talking to you about um you know your your uh body of work after I've been such a fan for so long just because I think a lot of it um 
watching your fan films and stuff like that and uh watching like your growth throughout the years has like also inspired me as like a fellow cool. filmmaker so cool. it, it means it means a lot that you wanted to come on it's just really cool for me so thank you for sure no well thanks for having me on i mean it's uh yeah it's 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 cool to be here man yeah um i wanted to ask you what what got you started in film filmmaking like what made you want to become a filmmaker and because you're because not only are you a filmmaker you're also a voice actor as well i am yes that is my primary job that that was really sort of that that is sort of my uh success in the entertainment industry at the moment anyway and um but ever since i was little growing up to the 1980s as a young boy um i was into movies i mean i you know i i mean it's not a story that people haven't heard before there's lots of people usually people who are filmmakers whether you're making hollywood films or you're pursuing film have a similar story to this you know what i mean yeah. and i'm no different i mean i was um i wasn't an only child but i was i was the last born and the next closest in age to me is nine years older so i wasn't an only child but for all intents and purposes it almost was like i was you know yeah. what i mean because my siblings were so much older than me um and we didn't really have anything in common it's not like i had a brother or a sister that was my age that we were hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was nothing like that. So I had to sort of amuse myself a lot of the times and, you know, play He-Man and Thundercats and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and movies, of course. And I was really into movies and it wasn't just movies for the entertainment factor. I, from a very young age was always into, um, you know, the, the, like, how did they do that? You know, I want to know how yeah. they did that, you know, the behind the scenes stuff and all that. And, and that never left me that never the desire to make movies to, to perform. I, you know, I come from a very extroverted family and, and, you know, the kind of family that if you were having Thanksgiving dinner with us, you, you know, you, you better not be shy because if you want to speak, <laughs> you just got to jump right. I mean, everybody's talking all, you know, I, I come from that kind of a family, right. Very yeah. boisterous and loud and extroverted. So, um, I, uh, yeah. And, and, and so I was a natural performer in that way. I, I loved being on camera and being on stage and, and, uh, being the center of attention in the class clown. And, and, uh, so, but I really had, uh, you know, an infatuation with, with movies and stuff. And that's what I wanted to do. So, uh, in the late nineties, when I went to college, I, I, um, I went to uh, Niagara College in Welland, Ontario, Canada, just about 20 minutes from Niagara Falls. And uh, I studied film. I did two years of a three-year program. I dropped out because I, um, it, it wasn't the, the work that was difficult. There were just a lot of elective classes and, you know, there was just so much work I couldn't keep up and I was losing interest. Uh, but I did go to film school and I learned a lot in those two years. And, uh, but I decided to leave and pursue my, pursue a career from, you know, from, from a different angle. So I got into the on-camera acting. I wanted, to, I was going to pursue being an actor because I loved acting and performing and being a class clown, like I said, and I had some experience in high school and theater and stuff. And, um, and I did that for a couple of years, went on a lot of auditions, did a couple of commercials, a couple of docudramas. Um, and then I broke my teeth playing street hockey, such a Canadian thing. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it was the shaft of somebody's stick that I think was my own, actually, that came down across my, my, my teeth. Oh. And so I lost, this is a fake tooth here. So I'm not all human. I just want to let everybody know that I am not 
100% human. There is something in me that is not human. He has some and, artificial uh, parts, folks. Artificial <laughs> parts. It's me and then Arnold, you know what I mean? The Terminator. It's just yes. it's the way it goes. Um, but anyway, so uh, obviously I had to go on a bit of a hiatus in terms of on-camera acting until I got my face fixed. And that's when my agent said, well, why don't we, why don't we put you on some voiceover auditions? And I said, sure. And of course I had, I hadn't had professional experience, but I had had experience doing voiceover for much of my life because I was the kid that was recording on cassette tapes and doing funny voices and sound effects and playing it back. And I, so I, I had, you know, some level of rudimentary experience with my voice yeah. and, uh, and I had a radio show in college. So I did. And that, was really the beginning of my career in the entertainment industry. I never looked back. Uh, I just started voiceover at the, prof I've been in the entertainment industry since 2001, but I've been doing professional voiceover since 2005 and I've been full-time voiceover since 2006. Wow. So um, I've done everything from radio and television commercials, network promos, movie and game trailers, you know, narration, animation, you name it, I've done it, except for audiobooks. I haven't done an audiobook. I'm not, I have no desire to, that's just shout out to all the VO actors that do it. It just seems so excruciating to me, uh, very yeah. tedious. So uh, that's not something that I have experience at, but uh, that's what it is. And I've had uh, some great success at it. You know, I'm a four-time Voice Arts Award nominee and wow. um, and it's been great. I've done trailers for It Chapter One and Lego Batman, The Descent, Angels and Demons, The Crazies. Wow. Um, it's been it's been a heck of a ride. I mean, there are lots of successful voice actors out there. I'm not saying I'm the I'm the creme de la creme. I'm just saying that it, it it's been a heck of a journey. And and I've I've learned a lot from my peers, my fellow actors, and um, yeah. Anyway. As you can see, I never shut up. Um, but that's that's sort of the cliff notes version of of where I kind of began and how I got into the, into the entertainment industry and sort of what my life has been like at the moment. But you asked about filmmaking, so I turned forty. Uh, well, by the way, Dave, yes. I love I love hearing about all of it. So the, okay, I, great. I had no I had no idea that you had done like voice work for so many um, influential horror films like The Descent, The Crazies. Like I had no idea. So that's well, really that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, I, I must say that, of course, I'm not the only one. Right. And my job at that was during the marketing. I mean, I'm not a voice in the movie. I, I was doing the movie trailer voiceover. Right. right? So uh, and I'm not the only one that does it. I mean, there are far more successful VO actors that 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 do it on the regular. That's their niche. That's what they do. Uh, but because one of the voices I can do is, you know, the trailer voice, I am sometimes hired to do that. And yeah. I've been very fortunate that I have been hired to work on a few pretty big campaigns, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, my bread and butter has really been in network promos and commercials. Uh, that's where sort of my the the my portfolio is 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 very thick on that side of stuff. Um, but over the last five or six years, or so I've been doing more animation because I've been wanting to do more of that, which is really cool. So I'm starting yeah. to build that side of my portfolio up. But uh, yeah, it's really cool. But um, but to your point, so, so I, I, that's where sort of my, that's where I've been in the entertainment industry. But as I, you know, as I often say on my channel, you, you, if you've worked long enough in this business and you've had successful at, you know, at some sort of success at it, I should say, 
um, you know, there's a lot of overlap and a lot of, I've met a lot of filmmakers and directors and studio executives and, and, you know, so if you're in it long enough, even though you're on the voiceover side of things, you'll meet a lot of different people. And if you're on the filmmaking side of things, chances are, if you have success at it and you're in it long enough, you'll meet voice actors and, and musicians and like, it's, it's a big industry, but it's a yeah. small industry. And, but that desire to make movies never left me. And so when I turned 43 years ago in 2019, uh, I thought to myself, well, I'm 40. And when you're 40, you know, you're not old, as I often say on my channel, but you're not young anymore. You're kind of in that, you know, you're hitting, you're starting to work towards middle age. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I've never made a movie. I mean, I've made little shorts, little Halloween shorts and things like that, but a, a, a real movie a real movie yeah you know and i thought i haven't done that yet and so i reached out to my best friend of nearly 30 years bruce who uh does work in the film industry here in toronto and i said to him you know we gotta let's 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 do let's do a real kind of movie and things like that and that's where yeah. of course uh the movie i'm sure you want to talk about that's how where, yes. where that came into play so um i've only made one real movie in my life <laughs> uh but i am very excited that in doing that, it's now put me on this journey to pursue that side of my passion again in my 40s. Yeah. And well, and I would say you've done, I would say you've done a few movies before that because you did uh, that, the Intruder film back in 2012. Oh, I have. I have. Yes. No, I've done, I've done sorry. 2011. That's right. I, I have done some short films. Yeah. Um, but it was more about, uh, stepping up the game in terms of production value right. and presentation. I mean, you know, I, I don't think anybody would look at it's I'm very proud of the intruder. I think it was great for what it is. I think it looks good. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to take it to the next level. And right. so like something where if you walked into the room and it's me, Billy was playing on the TV, it looks like something that could be playing on Netflix. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. And, and just sort of the, you know, hire professional actors, not your friends, you know what I mean? <laughs> hire a professional DP, you know, not your buddy down the street, you know what I mean? And, and, and really sort of make a professional film. Uh, and so that's what I mean by that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, it's insane. Cause I watched uh, it's me, Billy for the first time. Cause I'm a really big fan of the original black Christmas. And it was so uncanny to me how well you guys were able to match the tone and the way that that first film looked like it just looks like a direct continuation like it was it was incredible um appreciate that thank you so, yeah no problem and i wanted to ask you guys what was the what was the process behind that what uh i guess from where it started to where it ended like what what gave you guys the inspiration to do that yeah so um as i said i had turned 40 and i wanted to make a a, a real movie quote unquote and um but I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to bite off more than I could chew because yeah. although I have some sort of rudimentary experience in film directing, I, I certainly don't have uh, professional experience in terms of handling a, you know, a, a crew, a bunch of professionals who have been doing it for a long time. So um, I didn't want to bite off more than I could chew. So I turned to my buddy, Bruce, uh, like I said, who does work in the film industry here in Toronto. And, and I said, um, let's let's make a real movie because he works at he's the national manager of education and training at william f white uh in toronto and 
William F. White is one of Canada's largest suppliers of lighting and grip and camera gear in the country. So when Hollywood comes up to Canada, whether it's Vancouver or Toronto or wherever, uh, it quite often they will rent their gear from whites. So Bruce has a lot of experience and uh, knows that I've learned so much from him. Yeah. And uh, so obviously this is an asset, you know, I mean, you work for one of the large, you know, we take advantage of this. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Why haven't we done this yet? What the heck are we doing? And we've done it in small doses. Like we've done small doses, but we want to take it to the next level. Right. So I said, I want to do a fan film, but I don't want to do a Halloween fan film. I said, Halloween, it's saturated. Uh, it's, it's, and, and I was worried. I said, I'm, I'm worried because of the level I want to do it at, um, that we would get shut down. So I said, uh, and then one night I was watching black Christmas, not for any reason to study it. I just, I think I hadn't seen it in a while. And I'm like, I'm going to pop in black Christmas. I was watching it one night. I love the movie. It's one of my favorites. And uh, it's a Canadian film shot in Toronto. It's got a, uh, not a, uh, not the whole cast is, um, Canadian, but there's, there's a few in there that are. And, uh, and at the end of the movie, I just thought black Christmas. And at the time there was just one remake in 2006. Yeah. Because it was only about three weeks later after this moment that the 2019 film was announced. Ironically. So uh, (laughs) I thought, what about black Christmas? It's a Canadian movie shot here in Toronto. I'm Canadian. Bruce is Canadian. We're in Toronto. Who better to do it? Exactly. I mean, it's got sort of a poetic serendipitous kind of, you know, uh, feel to it. So I said to Bruce, now he had never seen the original film. He knew about it. You can't live here and not know about it, but he hadn't seen it. So um, he was a little hesitant at first. He's like, I don't know, Black Christmas, fan film. Maybe we should do something original. I said, well, Yes. I mean, the goal of any filmmaker is to make your own original work. But when you have no experience and you're asking for thousands of dollars, what is what's the why? Why are people going to donate to you? Right. When you'd have nothing really to show for it. And I wasn't confident in I mean, listen, my little Halloween shorts are are fun, but certainly, you know, they're not. Hey, give me sixty thousand dollars fun. You know what I mean? Right. So I was like, uh, you know, maybe we should do a fan film. Uh, Don't want to do Friday the 13th. Vincent DeSanti has that locked up. Uh, Don't want to do Halloween. It's just so saturated. Uh, What about Black I feel like everybody's doing like Halloween short films now. Like like you go on YouTube and you search up the the Halloween fan films and you've got a bazillion of them. A bazillion and a bazillion (laughs) levels of, of, uh, of quality too. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah. You know, so, um, but, uh, but, but yeah, so that's, uh, so I, I proposed it to him and, and he's like, I'm not really sure. So we watched it together, the movie, cause he hadn't seen it. And by the end of the movie, and I, I pitched it to him, you know, I, I, you know, I had to sell it to him. I felt like I was pitching to a producer. Well, I kind of was my co-producer, you know, and, uh, and then he got it. He understood yeah. it. He got it. He was like, he, he saw the potential in this. It's, it's, we're not going for the low hanging fruit. We are going for something that is, it, it's going to be tough because it's black Christmas and black Christmas is a cult film. It's a niche film. Not everybody likes it. There's a lot of people that think it's a snooze fest, <laughs> you know, it, and it's true. And so we're like, ah, are we going to be, but we, we thought, yes, let's try and do it. Yeah. Um, and that's really how it came about. That's really how it came about. That's awesome. And um, 
that the location that you guys shot out uh tell me a little bit about that because that mm. that place is incredible the the house that you shot at yeah it's a it's a house in uh elmont ontario which is uh, about four and a half hours from toronto about 20 minutes outside of ottawa which is our nation's capital here in canada and uh in this little town called in, in this little town called elmont and um we were when we were writing the script we knew that we wanted a location to uh be reminiscent of the original in black christmas yeah and the original house is still in toronto it's in a very affluent neighborhood and uh one of our goals was we wanted to use the house from the original film not for the whole movie but for yeah. the opening of the film, uh, there was an early draft where we actually opened the film with Sam walking down the street and she visits the house and uh, she goes inside and she has a look around because she's never been in there before. And her yeah. spoiler alert, but, you know, somebody's not with us anymore, I'll just say. Right. Yeah. And uh, she saw this as an opportunity to go in and have a look around. And we wanted to do that. We thought oh, we could do that. Uh, but we were denied access. Uh, the owners didn't have any interest. And I understand. I mean, we, you know, we might have been the 10th person that day that was asking, <laughs> who knows? Um, so anyway, that's just a bit of sort of trivia for people out there. But but we knew that the main location for the house, we wanted to have the same kind of home in the yeah. same kind of spirit. Uh, when you're shooting a low-budget horror movie, location, location, location. And so I was on a website called setscouter.com. I think it's .com. I don't think it's .ca. Um, and where you can search out locations. Uh, people will put up their homes to be rented out for film crews and things like that. And I had, in my search bar, I just put in like, you know, I don't know, big mansion or something. I have no idea. <laughs> and a bunch of them came up in this area, of course, in the Toronto area, which were gorgeous. Yeah. But... You're looking at like, you know, five, six thousand a day. You know what I mean? And it's just, yeah. I mean, you're in Toronto, right? For the, you know, fourth largest city on the continent. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of gonna be pretty pricey. Gonna be pretty pricey. So, yeah. so we were like, uh, and then I saw this shot. And it's the shot that's very similar to the drone shot, because that's what this shot is what inspired the drone shot at the beginning of the movie, where we yeah. come across the snow and you see the house. Well, there was an image very similar to that on set scouter and i saw this house and i thought whoa what is this it looks very rural yeah I'm like this is this is pretty cool so i you know i clicked on it i read all about it and i'm like oh and it was much cheaper much cheaper not cheap but much cheaper yeah and and i thought oh this is interesting <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh i showed bruce and i'm and then i thought well it's four and a half hours away but myself and Bruce grew up in Ottawa. So we grew up in that area. That's where I met him. That's where I went to high school. So I know the area very well. Yeah. So yeah, it's four and a half hours away, but I thought, well, yeah, it might be worth it if we can lock this down. So anyway, so we went up to uh, meet John, who is the owner of the house uh, in July of 2020 and to do a set, a, a um, location scout. And we went up there and we walked around and we just fell in love. I mean, it is just, at, well, you know, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely yeah, stunning. It and, and the property is stunning. It's on 20 acres, you know, and it's all his and he's a real estate agent. Go figure. Well, and yeah. uh, so we fell in love and, and he gave us a really good deal. Really, really good deal. 
And wow. uh, so we, we locked it in. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Cause, because like you said, I feel like when you're doing even low budget, high budget, any sort of film, the location is everything because if you can't find a place that's, you know, goes with what your vision is, it just, I don't know. There's just something about it that doesn't, it doesn't yeah, deliver. For, for sure. And, and, you know, with a movie like this, you know, uh, some people have mistake and there probably are still a few out there that think this, and I understand why, um, some people have thought that the house in the movie is supposed to be the same house as the one from the original black Christmas. And I think that's largely because they look very similar. Yeah. Uh, and of course you got a weird guy in the attic. Um, <laughs> so, and the attic looks kind of similar. Attic. Oh my God. I was going to say, I was going to, the attic looks almost exactly like the attic from the original it's that's insane. it that's it yeah. and that was that was a happy surprise or as bob ross would say happy accident <laughs> um but <laughs> but it was one of those things where originally in the script we had had it that sam enters i think an office or something and um Billy shows up behind her, like he kind of emerges from the darkness or, yeah. you know, whatever, which could have worked. I mean, it's, it's a little pedestrian, um, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's a horror movie. I mean, it's like, okay, you know, this is what happens in horror movies. You know what I mean? Um, but when we went to location scout, John said, uh, and do you want to see the attic? And we're like, oh, yeah, sure. Of course. Because there, I don't believe I stand to be corrected, but I don't believe there were any photos of the attic on set scouter. There are photos of many other spots like that nice staircase and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think there were photos of the attic. So we were under the impression that we were still going to go with that, you know, kind of emerging from the darkness in some sort of office or something. Yeah. And when we got to the home, he's like, you want to see the attic? And we're like, well, yeah. So he takes us up another set of stairs kind of around the back. I'm like, oh, it's kind of creepy. What's this? And he takes us to the top and he opens up. We walk in and we're like, oh my God. And we're like, like instantly you're like, there's a rewrite that's about to happen here <laughs> yeah. because you cannot. And, you know, we turn away like, could, could we use this? He's, he's like, yeah, it needs a bit of cleaning. Got to sweep up some, some bat poop, but uh, you know, I mean, and I'm dead serious, you know, yeah. there, there were bats up there. And uh, so, you know, but for sure, I mean, you absolutely can. And we, and now it, it was so big that we were kind of overwhelmed at first. We're like, well, what? Cause we could shoot it over there in that corner next to that window, or we could shoot it over there in that corner next to that window, or we could actually go around here. Like it was like, we didn't know sort of, so we had to kind of pick an area. Yeah. Uh, the area that you see of the attic is only like 20% of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really, really big. And uh, you, you kind of see a bit of it when Sam is walking towards the camera, you see like a ladder in the background off yeah. to the left, sort of like, that's a whole other area back there. And this, it's just amazing. And um, so, yeah, that's how the attic sort of came to be, but yeah, location, location, location. Um, it's not supposed to be the same house. It is uh, her grandmother's house. Um, but we definitely wanted the same type of home. Come on. It's a horror movie. Oh yeah. You know, a big mansion in some rural area. It's not as rural as you'd think, you know, either. I mean, it's movie magic. When you have 20 acres to play on, you can really yeah. give the impression that you're out in the middle of nowhere. That but you're you go pretty down the isolated, street. yeah. Yeah, but you go down the street and around the corner and, you know, you're at a, you know, McDonald's or something, right? So <laughs> it's it's not, it, yeah, movie magic. Yeah, I know. I'm sad to hear that the, that the original draft didn't work out because I would have loved to see 
a little homage to the original with that opening scene with her going into the house because that would have been oh we tried kiss. that would have been amazing it, it would have been amazing we we went down there uh i think it was february of 2020 so it was long before we even launched the indiegogo campaign and we walked up and of course as i said it's a very affluent area yeah it's very gated so it's not like you can walk up and knock on the door you got to hit like a buzzer at the gate right and somebody comes on they're like yes and uh, <laughs> i went through my spiel i'm like oh hi uh, my name's dave mccray uh we're here uh such as you know i i sounded yeah. professional i wanted and all they said all they said was not interested oh. and that's it and at that point you're like uh what do you do? I mean, it would be one thing. It's like, we felt really disappointed because we didn't even get a chance to get to the door. You know, yeah. we didn't even get, cause it's not like we were going to do it for free. I mean, you know, we were going right. to pay them, you know, and, and uh, but we didn't even have an opportunity to really kind of sell it. But again, I know that the house has switched owners over the years. So, you know, who knows? I mean, I mean, anybody that does filming locations, knows that you know if you go to the elm street house or the 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 well the myers house in pasadena i mean it's an office now right you know yeah. there you know if you happen to have a movie like the 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 um strode house in pasadena uh the people that live there have lived there for years and, and they're they super cool super cool yeah. right yes they put like little pumpkins out for people yeah they, but not everybody's like that right yeah. and if if they ever move, the new people that move in there might might be like, fuck this. You know, they don't want to deal <laughs> yeah. with it. Right. They don't want to right. do it. So, you know, it's again, it, you have to respect it. It's unfortunate. Maybe yeah. if we had come by 15 years ago, if there was somebody else there, maybe it'd be different. Right. Um, but we understood. So we left and we thought, OK, huh, how are we going to do this? So the opening of the movie uh, is really all about it's there, there's two things that are happening there. It's. Uh, we open the film with the car on the side of the road and obviously Sam looks visibly upset. Right. Yeah. And she is, uh, and if you pay close again, it's, it's a, it's a bit meta. And at the same time, you know, it's, it's very sort of for black Christmas fans. Um, but she is upset clearly. Maybe yeah. there was some sort of argument that happened because they're all kind of quiet. Maybe they're just like, okay, we're just going to let her have her moment. And, uh, <laughs> Shelby, who plays Emma, says, are you okay? And Sam says, I just wish we had gotten in. And yeah. so, you know, she's talking about her grandmother's house, that they had tried to get into the house and they were denied. And yeah. that's why Emma says, but you're not just anyone, Sam. Your grandmother lived to tell. My grandmother made a fortune off what, you know. And so yeah. it's, it really is, we use the disappointment that we felt not being able to get access to that house and yeah. wrote it into the disappointment of these characters. We thought that was a nice introduction sort of uh, to them, to, to Sam, because she wanted to get in and see the house. It's therapeutic yeah. for her. Somebody's not with us anymore, so we think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just another bit of closure for her that she wanted, and she was denied that. Yeah. And so that's why she feels very disappointed, you know? Well, and I think, I think you know, as disappointed as as uh it is that that scene didn't end up happening i also really really enjoy that first scene in the car because you get a lot of um you get a lot of uh character development just from that one scene and i think it's amazing that you guys wrote that from you know what you guys were feeling and i feel like sometimes 
better things can come out of something that didn't end up happening in the first place. So, right. you know, that scene didn't end up happening, but then you guys ended up having like a really good, you know, character driven scene in the car at the start of the movie, which I think really sets the tone for the rest of it. You get set up with these characters right off the bat. You get uh, a little bit of exposition, but not too much exposition that it feels like, you know, you know what's going on right off the bat. I I, I think that it sounds like it worked out regardless of what happened and it seems like the scene was even better because of it so yeah i think so i mean you know it i it, it would have been interesting to have to have that scene as you're talking about yeah uh, but you have to make do with what you have and um one of the things that we were very aware of of course is that you know we don't have a lot of time you know, it's a short film, but something that's that, that, that's important too that people need to keep in mind. And I understand why. I I think people now are starting to realize this uh, because I've been very vocal about it, yeah. uh, and some people would have gotten it anyway. But um, it's me. Billy was always designed to be the first part of a two part story. So if you watch the movie and it feels incomplete, and maybe the arcs kind of feel unfinished or incomplete it's because it is um we wanted to if we were to tell the whole thing we would have had to have asked for about 120 130 000 and we didn't think that we were going to be able to raise that and we were right yeah. by the way we didn't we just barely crossed the 60 000 threshold of what we asked for i think in the last week of the campaign so when we came up with the story we we realized that there was this natural end point sort of this cliffhanger end point that we thought maybe if we tell this show what we can do as filmmakers yeah tell the first half you know the pilot episode of a two-part miniseries kind of thing right let's tell this and then hopefully people will go oh okay take my money you know what i yeah. mean and please finish this right yeah so uh just so people know out there that it it, it if, if it feels that way it 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 was designed to be that way it was we didn't just yeah, we didn't just arbitrarily end it like that and go, well, there you go. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's supposed to be like that. Yeah. Damn. You took the next question right out of my mouth. Cause I was going to ask you, I was going to, uh, cause I was going to ask you that exact question with the way it ended. I, I was going to ask you, do you guys plan on can, doing a continuation or do you guys feel like it could just be left as it is? And cause I almost feel like it could be either way. I feel like you could leave it as it is and leave audience members, you know, kind of wondering what's going to happen after that and never giving them kind of like very open-ended which i a lot of people that drives a lot of people crazy with certain movies like that i personally love movies that are open-ended because it keeps you thinking and guessing right. but i agree um, um i think it could be uh for sure and you just assume well i guess they got them you know what i mean and yeah. now oh she's alive but well that that's now they're gonna die together or something yeah um you could uh, but that that wasn't the intention, right? The intention yeah. was we 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 do have more to tell to kind of wrap it up to make it feel a little more uh, complete, I guess. But yeah, no, you absolutely could. I mean, it 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 does on some level it does work. Um, yeah, yeah, I know you could, you could, yeah. yeah. But uh, but yes, we 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 do have. There is. Um, uh, I don't say too much at the moment, but 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 we are. Uh, the intention is there. We would we would like to finish it, and we are actively. Uh, I don't say too much, but 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 we are working on a few things. To uh, th th there's a number of projects we're working on, and that is one of the things that is on the table. It's very exciting. Very excited to hear that. 
Uh, so Dave, is there, um, are there any other future projects aside from this possible Black Christmas continuation that you guys have in the works possibly that you would want to share to the listeners? Yeah, so Bruce and I are actively working on something at the moment. Um, can't say too much, not because we're, we've been contractually obligated not to. It, it's just we've chosen not to because we don't really know what's happening with it yet. And right. so we don't want to say too much and get people unnecessarily excited only to have to say, well, no, nope, there you go. You know what I mean? We yeah. want to just kind of, we, we want to know where we're, and that's sort of the same thing with Billy too, as well. You know, it's, it's that we're, we're, we're trying to figure some things out at the moment and where the focus is going to be and the focus is going to lie. Um, but yeah, there is, there is something we are working on. It is in the horror genre. Um, it's uh, an original piece, uh, feature film uh, that we're very excited about. We think it's a really, really, cool story and very atmospheric and moody and theater yeah. of the mind all those things i love and um yeah but at the moment we're in a position where just don't want to share too much right yeah there's there's people we're talking to and wheels that are turning that we just don't have a um uh, a grasp on uh, some concrete stuff yet but hopefully in the near future we'll be able to say yes and it's this so yeah but but there are things yep Ooh. That's that. I mean, even you just saying that you have a feature film in the works is that was exciting for me. Well, so it's, that, it's not <laughs> in the works yet. It's it's it, 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 in, it, hopefully we are we are doing our best to try and get it into the works. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited uh, to see what you what you guys come up with. It's I'm looking forward to it, and um, hopefully maybe I can get you guys back on for a future interview, and we can for sure can that'd be about, great. Talk about the other stuff you've been working on, but uh, that'd be great. Um. I guess my final question to you, Dave, is, uh, and I usually ask this for anybody that I that is in the the film industry or or some have some kind of creative uh, outlook on the the film industry in general. But what is your advice for people that are looking to get into the film industry? Like, what kind of tips can you give? I guess young ingenue people that <laughs> are new to the the film industry. Well, I mean, I, you know, obviously I have more experience on the voiceover side of things when it comes to the entertainment industry, but there's a lot of overlap, as I've often said, and, and it's a, it's a, you know, whether you're pursuing voiceover or on-camera acting or filmmaking or music or whatever, I mean, it's a, the first thing you have to understand is that this is a, you know, it sounds like I'm pulling out all the cliches, but it's true. It's a very competitive business. Yeah. And um, there there are a lot of people that can do what you do and a lot of people that can do it very well. And uh, so, you know, again, it sounds cliche, but don't do it. Don't get into the business because you want to be famous or you want to make a lot of money. You can make a lot of money. Sure. Um, but, you know, you can also live your whole life not making anything. Um, I think have have a goal in mind in terms of have sort of um, uh, like a desire, of, like a focus, have a focus of what you want to pursue, uh, what you want to do, uh, not just I want to get into the film industry. Okay, in what sort of capacity? You know what yeah. I mean? And maybe you don't know right now. And that's okay. And maybe you'll try a few things out. You know what I mean? You'll shoot a movie, you'll be the DP, you'll be the camera operator, and you realize this is not for me. But maybe you really like directing. Or maybe you really hate directing, but you really like, I don't know, uh, being the set decorator. Whatever the case is, 
Um, but try and have a focus when you first start out. And that way you can at least get yourself on a path, some sort of direction, um, but also be very open to spontaneity because where you begin and where you end is usually never where you think it's going to go. And where your journey is going to go is never usually how it goes. So it's, uh, I know that's probably not the, you know, thing people like to hear, but um, you know, and as I always say to, uh, in regards to voiceover as well. I mean, you can teach technique, but you can't teach talent. You either have yeah. it or you don't. And that doesn't mean that you can't learn and get better and hone your skills and get better. But there are people in this world that are just naturally gifted uh, at what they do, whether that is communicating, directing, acting, performing, singing, you know, it, it's a, this is entertainment. This is the performing. Me- now, again, with filmmaking, it's a bit different because, you know, you can be behind the scenes, but there's still a level of competency that has to be there. You have to be an effective communicator. You have to be an effective business person. You have to understand cinematic language and, 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 and storytelling and, 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 you know, you have to work with actors and, you, you know, I mean, yeah. you have to do that. It's a, it's a very, um, it's yeah, it's a it, yeah. I mean, you know, it's have a focus, uh, be open to learning new and different things, and just go along for the ride. And you may go in, and you may be in it for a few years and realize this is not for me. It's incredibly competitive, incredibly yeah. competitive. Um, so yeah, I mean, really, at the end of the day, that's that's what I would say. Uh, there isn't a magic red button, unfortunately, um, but it is it is what it is. I mean, I think one of the reasons why Billy was was so successful in terms of the shoot. Now, again, I mean, it's a small independent shoot, but Bruce and I were very prepared. If I had any advice for filmmakers right now, indie filmmakers who want to take it to the next level or wanting to do what we did with Billy or whatever the case is. And again, it depends on it's not lost on us. We work in the industry. We have access to resources and connections that the average person doesn't. Obviously, not everybody can just go and shoot on the area Alexa. We get that. Yeah. Um, but the principles are the same. Be prepared. Bruce and I have never worked harder on anything in our lives. We work just two and a half months on the shot list alone. You know, when you, you don't get to set and then figure out how to shoot the right. movie. You already know how you're going to shoot the movie because you've been to the location five or six times and you've gone through it with your DP, you know, and, and so, you know, and you've gone through it with your, you know, your key grip and your gaffer because they want to figure out how they're going to light it and all this kind of stuff. And so just be very prepared, be very prepared. Uh, We understand it was a little independent shoot, a crew of 17 cast included. We get it. It's a very different if you're working on a Marvel movie, Um, but the principles are the same. The more prepared you are, uh, the the better things will go. The more prepared you are, the more prepared you will be when things don't go well. Yeah. And that's why you want to be so prepared because on every shoot, even on Billy, there were a few little things that popped up that we had to problem solve. Nothing major, nothing major, yeah. but a few little things. And one of the reasons why you want to be so prepared is because, you know, you are... Um, uh, if you are unprepared, now you are dealing with the stress of being unprepared. Yeah. So you don't know what to shoot. Your crew is looking to you. You're the director. You're the director and or producer. In this case, we were the director and producer and writers. I mean, we're leading the team. Uh, and if you don't know how to shoot, where you want to put the camera, what you want to do, all this kind of stuff, then when other the the other 
everyday problems that happen on set, it just compounds, right? She's like, yeah. oh my God, I can't, holy crap. <laughs> you want to be as prepared as you possibly can. So when those little things pop up that are always bound to pop up all the time on any set, you're like, no problem, I got this. You, got you know this what I mean? Figure it out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Let's figure it out. Not a big deal because you're not having to worry about the shit you should have taken care of right. three months ago. And so be prepared, take your time. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. And again, everything is different. Every scenario is different. I get that. Um, but that was a big thing that I learned on this. And this was my first, I mean, this was a, yes, it was a fan film, but we were working with a professional crew yeah. and professional actors. This is what they do. You know, they were, I mean, it's their day. It, it's their job. They've since gone on and been in other things and shot other things. And it's me, Billy was just a stop for them. And the last thing you wanted to do was look incompetent in front of people that have been doing this professionally in the Canadian film industry. Yeah. And, and so we needed to be on our game. And one of the biggest compliments we got from some of the crew was you'd never know this was your first film. Like you, you're that prepared, you're on point, you know, you're open to, you know, ideas if something pops up or whatever, you know, from the yeah. crew. Cause there's a couple of times that, uh, somebody from the crew would be like, oh guys, you know, maybe you get that or don't forget to get that. We were like, oh, dude, thank you. Yes. You know what I mean? There's no ego there. It's like, totally like, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it was great that way. It was great. And not every film set is like that, but it was a great first experience at that level. Um, yeah. So that's what I'd have to say. Be prepared, be focused. Thank you, Dave. That, yeah, that's amazing advice. I think, honestly, I think that could apply to really everything that you just said. Um, Cause I know that in the past, like film, like short films that I've made, that was like one of my biggest uh, things that I was learning was to be prepared because there were times when I would feel prepared and then yeah. something would throw me off my game and it would just like completely just stress me out for the rest of the, that, like uh, if we were shooting for like that day or that night or whatever, I would just be completely rattled. Yeah. And there were times when I would just feel completely just like, I thought I was prepared and now I'm not prepared and I don't know what to do. Luckily right. it was during the time when I was filming with people that were my friends and it wasn't right. like a huge right. professional thing, but yeah. No, 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 I get it. But then you see, because you were unprepared and you're like, oh my God, what's going on? Then if the pizza guy is late, then <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden that seems worse than it really is, right? Because you're like, that's yep. the last fucking thing I need right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. If we're, you know I'm so oh, no, you're good. Here, no, I okay. swear all the time. You're okay, fine. great. Well, that's the last fucking thing we need is the pizza guy. When really, I mean, yes, you definitely want to keep your cast and your crew fed, but yeah. it just, it, it seems so much worse than it is if the pizza guy is, you know, 10 minutes late because yeah. you're, because you're so focused on all these other things you should have had, you know, taken yep. care of, right? Whereas if you are prepared, pizza guy's five minutes late, 10 minutes late, eh, not a big deal. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean by that, you know, is, is you, yeah. got, you got to be prepared. You know, you, you really do. It's, it's, uh, um, yeah, I've, I've never been more prepared for anything in my life. Um, and I think it, it really helped things go smoothly. And again, I mean, you know, it helps when you have Bruce who works at William F. White, who essentially became our production manager and, and, and handled all of the rental, the gear. And of course, I mean, we have access to certain things the average person doesn't. But again, like, yeah. as I always say, the principles are the same. The principles are the same. And um, so that, yeah, I, I, I learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot on this film. And, and um, 
you know, we did our best to deliver something that was of professional quality. Not everybody's going to like it. You know, it's art, right? Not everybody's going to agree with the creative decisions you make. You know, some people are going to go, ah, you know, and then other people go, oh, it's crap. You know, and some people are like, ah, oh, it's great. You know, that's just yeah. movies. That's just art. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, we're very proud of it. And what we were, what we were able to deliver on $64,000 um, and give Black Christmas and Black Christmas fans something they can be proud of that is related to the original film. And, uh, and like I said, the story's not done. Ooh, so excited. I'm so excited to see what else you, what else you do, Dave, uh, what else you come up with. Um, uh, before we go though, I did mm. want to kind of do like a fun little, um, kind of little question thing. I have a couple of questions for you that I want to rapid fire, kind of rapid fire. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's do it. So what are your, I guess, top five favorite horror films? Oh man, this is tough. But I would say uh, I know what my number one is. Yeah, uh, which is the original Halloween from 1978. Yeah. Uh, Black Christmas 1974 would definitely be in there. So this is in no particular order, other than Halloween, Halloween. being at yeah. one. Uh, but definitely Halloween at one, and then you could have Black Christmas 1974 in there. Uh, probably the uh, The Exorcist from 1973, um, and the first. Oh, it's so hard. I'd say maybe the first Elm Street and then maybe going old school, like maybe Rear Window, Hitchcock's Rear Window, maybe, or something like that. Those are great. Um, even uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane yeah. with uh, Betty Davis and Joan Betty Crawford. Davis, and obviously, yeah. this is a different, you know, it's it's considered a horror movie, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. It's not how we see horror movies today, but that's a great film. Would say like a psychological horror movie because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love psychological. Horror. But I mean, you know, Me those too. are sort of, Jaws, of course, right? 1975, which is really more thriller drama, but 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 yeah. you could say it's a horror movie. And so there's those are some of the ones that I would kind of put in a top five, maybe switch some out every now and then and you know replace it with another one, kind of like that. Yeah. But that's side of, that that's usually what's rolling around in my Rolodex. But I also love the others from 2001. Oh, I think that's a so terrific good. film. So um, underrated too. Oh. I don't hear anybody talk about that movie. Well, that was one of the that was one of the movies that we um used as an example for greg who you interviewed our dp yeah uh we used the others hereditary and um there was another movie we used as visual examples of sort of the essence of the direction in terms of the lighting and the cinematography we wanted yeah. with billy so Which, i love oh, the others oh so good so yeah. good um my last question is uh if you could, if you had the chance to, I guess, reboot or remake any horror franchise as your own, what mm. franchise would you choose? Reboot anything as a franchise as my own horror franchise. Yeah. Um, I would probably say maybe at this moment, I'm not going to say Halloween because, you know, they've done that five times. And, <laughs> yeah. Five, and 50 different storylines. different. Yeah. You know, and although I, I will say, um, Okay, so it'll be a two-part answer. So off the top of my head, something yeah. that comes to me is uh, Elm Street. I, I think there's a lot of potential there with the character of Fred, like to really go back to the roots of dark, I you agree. know, and scary. Maybe it becomes more of a series than a, than a, than a you know, film. Yeah. Um, but, but something like that I think would be a lot of fun. I think that would be a, a fun sandbox to play in. 
Yeah. Uh, especially dealing with more of the psychology of dreams and, and, you know, the subconscious and that kind of stuff I think would be a lot of fun. And the other part of uh, this two-part answer is that uh, a few weeks ago, Tony, Michael, and I, on my little show there on Monday nights, Two Dudes and Some Bullshit, yeah. uh, we've been doing sort of a series called What If? And we came up with this idea. Uh, well, he was sort of, he kind of spearheaded it, and I just glommed onto it and agreed because I thought it was such a great idea. I think this would be a, a great idea for a reboot or something that would be really cool to work on. Yeah, uh, would be would be a reboot of the Halloween franchise, let's say mm -hmm. hypothetically, but go back to the 1950s. So mm -hmm. tell the story, but you 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 sort of uh, reinvented a bit. So mm -hmm. Doctor Loomis is no longer a psychiatrist; he's a detective, right? And this is the 1950s. Yeah. So you can get that you know those trench coats and fedoras in there. Yeah. And maybe you shoot it in black and white, you know, and uh, it's about sort of maybe Michael and Judith are siblings of a similar age and they're in high school together and, and, you know, Loomis is brought in from Chicago. He's the Chicago detective and he's brought into this little Illinois town because he's got to, you know, figure out why there's so many deaths or things are happening or whatever. like yeah. something like that. Right. And it's all leading to Halloween and Michael and all that kind of stuff. Something like that, you know, a bit of a different take, cool. a bit of a, a Halloween film noir sort of kind of darker grittier, grittier yeah 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 just something the very you know shoot it yeah shoot it in it had nice low-key film noir black and white lighting and um something like that i think i think if you were like that kind of that kind of in regards to halloween that makes me go oh that's interesting that inspired mm -hmm. that's different you're telling the story again but you're adding new life to it telling it from a, yeah. maybe a, bit of a different perspective so you're not just doing the same thing over again little boy on halloween kills his sister you know we, we've seen that we've done that yeah uh, i don't think we can get any more milk from that cow so <laughs> why not tell the story maybe a bit differently um yeah. and so I, I would say that that was a really good idea that he had and and that kind of if i was ever to redo i mean Listen, if somebody came to me and said, hey, listen, we're going to pay you to reboot Halloween again. I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, you know. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure I would say, well, OK, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, if I if I had the clout of like a Spielberg and I actually could call the shots, uh, I would probably say that th those two things kind of inspire me. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that answer. And that would be I, I love that idea. I love the idea of going back and doing something different with the with the idea and uh, making it a little bit more refreshing because yeah. as you said i feel like it's been just recycled so much uh yeah. unfortunately to the point where it's just kind of like come on guys let's do something well that's it and you go back to the 50s you know the yeah. last sort of decade of the nuclear family and and you know the birth of rock and roll and you know a lot of conservative sort of you know elvis presley swinging his hips and you yeah. know we don't what the hell is this you know so <laughs> things were very conservative it's a very different time it's not like when halloween came out i mean here you have judah not that people weren't liberal back then obviously but right. i'm just saying that by the time you get to 1978 the 60s has happened you yeah. know what i'm saying and and sort of the sexual revolution has happened and so if you were to go back to the the 50s or even the 40s even you know you it's a very different um culture in terms of the family dynamic and and yeah. school and 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 things like that and i i think it would be a lot not again not that you know shit didn't happen not that kids weren't you know niddling around i'm just saying that you can play on the innocence of that time 
yep. uh, more than I think you could in the seventies where, you know, everybody was kind of promiscuous. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a, no. it's a cool idea. It is a cool idea. I love that. Um, but yeah, that was, that. those are my two rapid fire questions. I just kind of wanted to end things off kind of, they weren't um, rapid fire answers. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, that's, that's cool. That's all right. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having you back on at some point and for sure, uh, man. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. Thank you so much, Dave, for giving me this opportunity to chat with you. Like this was so much fun. And as I said before, at the beginning, I've been a fan of yours for a very long time. Like you've inspired me a lot throughout the years to, to, to make films and stuff like that. Just watching your, watching your creative vision come to life. Like it's been really fun watching you over the years. Um, So needless to say, when uh, It's Me, Billy was announced, I was right on, I was on board from the start i was so excited that's great um, that's great so uh it, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on the podcast so thank you for coming on well thank you for having me on it's it's an honor to be here uh i think it's really cool because you know i mean you never know how people see you or take you or think of you i know i know i've been called uh, quite a few things since i've been doing i've been putting my face out there and how crazy and theatrical i can get um but it's always cool when people reach out to you and say that you've inspired them or that you've helped them through a difficult time i've had a few of those yeah um you know it's it's just nice to be able to entertain and and be um you know uh be that comfort zone for for people that that might need it um or yeah. that might feel they need to be inspired. So I really appreciate you saying that, that, uh, that means a lot. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I just, it just means a lot that you wanted to come on and, and chat with me. Um, sure. but b- before we go, do you want to tell the listeners where every, everywhere they can find you, social media, all that? Yeah. So on YouTube, you just search Dave McRae. McRae is M-C-R-A-E. There's a few ways to spell McRae, but that's, uh, that's mine. Dave McRae. I think I'm the one that pops up first yeah. and then on uh, Instagram it's Dave McCray 79 uh, and then on Twitter it's at the voice man man has two ends uh, that was just because what I got the domain years ago voice man with one end.com was taken so I just added another end it's really <laughs> that that's just really what it is uh, so yeah at the voice man with two ends voice man has two ends at the voice man on Twitter uh, Dave McRae 79 on Instagram, uh, Facebook is many things, Dave McRae. I do have a personal account, but that's just for like family and friends and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you want to follow me and I, I hardly post there anyway. So if you really want to know what I'm up to follow me at many things, Dave McRae, my Facebook page there, that's where I post the most. And, uh, I think that's it. Yeah. I don't have TikTok or anything like that. I, oh, there's just too many of them. <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep up. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, please, everybody go check Dave McRae out. He's amazing. Insanely talented. Um, like just an amazing person overall. Like you're just so nice, friendly, awesome. I appreciate so thank thank you. you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Well, you're very nice yourself. Very nice <laughs> yourself. You. You're thank welcome. You. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we will see you guys next time and uh, have a good weekend. Bye.